So Nick delivers again another guest Woo-hoo. from Mr. Deleu. First, he took us behind the scenes of the movies, and today we we talk about frogs. Frogs. And frogs. Josh's Poison. frogs. Josh Willard, owner of Josh's Frogs in Owasso, um, is going to be our guest. Keep listening, folks. This is a this is a good one. I know you think someone said someone may have said to Anna or not said you're having a frog guy on. Yeah, we're having a frog <laughs> guy on, and it's good. It's the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. <laughs> Yep, I got it all. We got it. So your What do you want to do now? Was why don't we do this at the beginning of the Kurt episode? Okay. We'll put get Kurt put Kurt to bed. Nighty night, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. That was incredibly creepy. <laughs> Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his It's it's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like one to ten. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and... Maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! (laughs) Hey, welcome back. This is Matt Resch of the Resch Strategies team. We are a public affairs and a public relations firm in Lansing, Michigan. Um, You can find all of our podcasts here, this Cold Oatmeal podcast, at the website at reschstrategies.com. We're also on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram at Rush Strategies, and the Cold Oatmeal Podcast has a Twitter account called at Cold Oatmeal Pod. Also, Apple, Spotify. We haven't been taken off Spotify yet, and as far as I can tell, no one has left in protest. We have <laughs> we have discussed whether or not we should pull all of our podcasts off of Spotify, but we're still there. Demand is demand is it's high. Too much work. It's too much work, and people people love us, so we're not going anywhere. Anyway. Looking around the room here, we've got my colleagues to the left are... Nikki O'Mara. Nick DeLue. Anna Heaton. Carly Buell. Joe Bashi. Stephanie Vancouvering is with us as well. She's masked up, hiding in the corner, but she will she will speak up here eventually, I'm sure. So before we get into Josh Willard, who is the owner of Josh's Frogs, um, the world's largest frog dealer on the, the open market, and I think we're not exaggerating, they are actually the world's largest... Yeah, we had to do a little bit of cleanup on on our podcast from last week's episode. We had to have a we had a journalist on, and he got all kinds of facts wrong. <laughs> and so we need we don't like to have Fake to issue corru- corrections on the Cold Oatmeal podcast. But Zach Gorchow, longtime journalist, you know, publisher, editor, guy who's <laughs> supposed to get stuff right, comes on the podcast talking about downtown restaurants and just gets everything wrong. So we got to we got to clean up this Tropo mishap. Tropo was never in Eastwood. I kind of thought Tropo was never in Eastwood. He had me. Convinced. No, Tropo was never in Eastwood. He was very convincing he that was, it was in Eastwood. Yes. He spoke authoritatively. Well, what was he talking about? Well, Who's we were talking Lansing. Yeah, we were talking about the various iterations of Tropo and where it started and where it came from and how back in the day Tropo was someplace else. Zach was convinced it was in Eastwood, and that lawmakers would go there and get blitzed and drive home in trunks of cars. To legislate that session. story is true as far as we that can is, tell. but they weren't driving from Eastwood. Correct. No, 
Uh, we found out that actually actually it was in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Number of listeners reached out and said, including the owner of Tropo <laughs> to Zach, that yes, we were never in Eastwood, but we were in East Lansing. Next time you want to talk about us, why don't you figure out where we actually were? So, way to go, Zach. Burn. Did I actually <laughs> say that? He said that he would like that he would like to, if you want to have information, let us know. Reach out to us. Okay. Well, the way you the said way you it there, said man, it it's not like, like if you don't talk about us, <laughs> yeah, get your facts yeah. right. We, we clearly we are not about facts on this podcast. No, we're not about facts. But that last podcast was uh, tons of feedback. I got people texting me about that that restaurant one. I think we could do a podcast every month about downtown Lansing restaurants. Where was it in East Lansing? It was where, um, like in that Harper's area, kind of. It's like where the pizza place is down the field house. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hopcat. It was before we'll Hopcat was there. Oh, okay. Yeah. If, we're, if we're off by a block, we'll get mail. And I do remember going to it there, actually. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a good episode. Uh, but today, uh, another good episode. We've got a guy who started a frog shop in his living room. Josh Willard is his name. Josh's Frogs. He opened up Josh's Frogs in 2004. It's now headquartered in Owasso, and it's huge. Hundreds of employees, thousands of frogs, shipping worldwide on a daily basis. And he is with us today to talk about frogs. Josh Willard. So Josh Willard of Josh's Frogs, welcome to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. I'm not quite sure where to start on this because <laughs> I think the list of questions for someone who sells frogs out of a warehouse, I mean, I'm not sure where to start. But why don't we start with 2004, right? That's when Josh's Frogs became a thing. Yep. We were no longer a tadpole, and you are now a full-grown frog, and Nikki is giving me dad, dad joke. Dad joke, guy. You totally put I don't have to look one. at Nikki anymore because like, I just can feel the, the heat of disdain from the other side of the room. Um, but yeah, so what happened? 2004, you opened up Josh's Frogs. Why? So my, at that time, I was a youth pastor, and my wife was a substitute teacher. So we didn't have two quarters to rub together. And I had always kept exotic pets. I grew up by a swamp. And my mom would kick us outside and say, go play in the swamp, get off the video games. So we, the rule was that we could grab anything we wanted out of the swamp and bring it home for one night. And that was, that was mom's the rule? rule. Yep, that mom's was rule. Mom's one rule. night. Oh, yep. my gosh. So oh, my gosh. <laughs> she broke that rule a few times. So there was uh, a certain time we, bought, we brought back this giant snapping turtle, probably 15, 16 inches long. And my mom saw it, you know, bite off the end of a stick. And she's like, get that mm. back in the swamp. So wh- where, I'm sorry, where is the swamp? Where did Jackson, you grow? Jackson, Jackson Mission. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> swamp Traditional swampland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she bent those rules sometimes, but but overall we were able to keep things for one night. And then in high school I kept some exotic pets, um, some larger snakes um, and whatnot. And when I got out of college, you know, I really wanted to um, keep some exotic animals, but we didn't have any money to put together. So I hatched this idea that, hey, what if I just buy a bunch of stuff in bulk and then I can sell off the excess stuff and then I'll have my tank of frogs in my living room. So it all started on accident. Like I just thought like this is a one-time thing. I'll, I'll put a tank of frogs in our living room and I'll do it for free um, just based on buying some stuff in bulk and reselling it. You didn't have that. children yet. No, no, no children yet at all. And a very forgiving wife. Yeah, so I'm thinking your wife was just chill with, hey, let's have a tank of frogs. In the yeah, l- in the she was room. totally cool with that. Um, she allowed in that uh, living room, I got to three tanks. So it went really well the first time. I'm like, sweet. Like, let's do another <laughs> one. So I did another one. And then it went really well. I'm like, uh, this is like printing money. Like, let's just do a third wow. one. I can get as many frogs as I want doing this. And uh, at that time, we had a two-bedroom 
um, apartment in the projects of Williamston. And so <laughs> she said, we don't have any kids. Put all your crap in this one room. And I was like, sweet. And I filled that room like full of animals. So when you say you, you opened a tank and it all went really well, yeah. what does that mean? What, what, what's going well? So it just like it was really easy to sell off this extra okay, stuff. You're so they're selling off the. Where were you yes. selling it though? You just you had this community already. The, the, so the back the alleys so, of Williamston. Yeah. yeah. No, this was all not local. So <laughs> back back um, a long time ago, um, there were before Facebook, there were these things called forums. So you would like have mm-hmm. these websites that were based on niches and and groups of people that were interested in some. So there were actual frog groups where people <laughs> would come and talk about keeping frogs and breeding frogs and that kind of stuff. And so I just get on there and be like, hey, I just bought a pallet of these cups. Anybody want some? Or, hey, I just bought a pallet of this dirt. Does anybody want some? <laughs> and people were like, yeah, sure. And so they would buy some. And I'd, I'd drive over to the post office there in Williamson and ship it out to them. Um, and it, How do you it was, mail a frog? Okay, we got to get to that. I do need to know. We got to get to that. How but, you okay, sorry. <laughs> First of all, where do you find a pallet of uh, so the, what your are these tadpoles? They're frog. What are they? What are you finding a pallet of? So so the first one was a pallet of like deli cups. So you think of like if you go to the grocery store and you buy the mac and cheese and the big deli cup. Well, we use those cups to breed fruit flies in. So one of the manufacturers of those cups is right here in Michigan. And so I was able to talk them into getting a pallet of those cups and shoving it in my car. So I drove my car up there. Mm-hmm. They're like, how are you going to get this pallet in there? And I said, well, I'm going to cut the shrink wrap and I'm going to throw all these boxes in my car and drive it home. Um, so that's what I did. I took those boxes of cups and I shoved them up against the walls of my apartment and sold them a case at a time to people online that, that didn't have access to, to the cups that I had here. What year is this when you're starting? 2004. And okay. when you say starting, like th- that was the finish line for me. It was like, oh. I can get as many <laughs> animals as I want, totally free. Like this is the best life ever. <laughs> like I'm just going to do this forever. And maybe someday my wife will let me have another room or something like that. Or, or maybe it gets to the point where it's too many animals to take care of and I don't want to do it anymore. But like yeah. the start of Josh's Frogs is, in my mind at that point, the end of Josh's Frogs. Like I filled up this one room. Things are going mm-hmm. great. I have this room of animals. It's not costing me anything to take care of these animals or get these animals. Like I just won at life. <laughs> so if, you said you're a youth pastor. Yeah. So is, is that what you want? Yeah, that's what you went to college for, right? Yeah. Not, uh, not you didn't go to college for frogs. Nope, not at all. So I have my. So you don't. There's no particular skill or background or training involved in buying frogs on pallets and drawing them in your living nope. room? Nope. Uh, I guess my only experience was the experience I had growing up taking care of those animals for one night and figuring out mm-hmm. how to take keep them alive for one night so I can return them back to the swamp and then learning how to keep uh, some other exotic animals in high school when I kept those as pets. Mm-hmm. What was the craziest thing you ever brought home? Probably that snapping turtle was probably the craziest thing. But we also would, uh, at that point, there was a little bit of uh, controversy about whether there were rattlesnakes in Michigan at that time. Um, it w- we were coming around to the fact that, okay, yes, they are. They're just really deep, and um, the swamps are still um, around. So every time we bring home a snake that we couldn't, like, really identify, that's when Mom would freak out, like, are you sure it doesn't have a rattle? And we're like, no, it doesn't have a rattle. It's totally cool, Mom. We just have no idea what this snake is. Are there rattlesnakes in Michigan? Yeah. 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 What do you mean, yeah? Like, you know. I How do, do you know. know. They're, because they're native to Livingston County. They, yeah. they are out in the Fowlerville area. So I, too, when my boys bring home snakes, have to check for the rattle. Yep. Oh, wow. I... Learn something new. Yeah. I mean, I'm learning a lot, too, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But. 
Yep. So yeah. we have venomous snakes here in Michigan. That's so your right. so let's talk about your mom. So your mom was just cool with this this whole like did, did she like these did she like these animals too or did no? She no just, but what she really liked was getting video. us out of the house. She okay. liked us off the video games, doing something outside. She really felt like hey, if we're going to be well rounded, we can't sit in front of a screen and play these video games all day long. So that was Atari. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Atari, regular Nintendo. Yeah. So you have siblings? How many? How many of the? I'm the oldest of three boys. Now, are they all into animals too, like this? So uh, my uh, middle, the middle um, brother, his name is Mike. He's actually uh, Mike Willard. He's the principal of Holt High School. Oh, okay. Um, and then my youngest brother passed away in a car accident when he was okay. 18 years old. So he's not mm. not around anymore. Okay. So. Actually, I, I don't know Mike Willer, but we have a, a side note, a foreign exchange student living with us here who's going to school. Oh, at really? Holt. And so yeah. I, I get emails from Mike on a weekly basis. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Small world. Small world. Okay, so so 2004, you've got these tanks in, yep. your, in, your, in your side. And then how does it continue to Wait, can, can I jump? Go, no, uh, yeah, anyone jump. Yes. Jump. Was that a dad joke? Give him a dad joke. He wants to jump in on that the frog That wasn't a dad joke. That, I, I would have said, let me hop in. Yeah, if I was going to a dad joke. Let me, let me hop in. It, because the website doesn't just describe you as a frog. It describes you as a poison dart yes. frog enthusiast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So how, how does one settle on, okay, I'm, I want to have crazy animals in my house. Yep. You know what I really want? Poison do- dart frogs. Yeah. So when it comes to keeping frogs in captivity, there are quite a few frogs that don't make good captives. You think of like the leopard frogs we have outside. Like you don't have a tank big enough that it's not smashing its face in the side of it as it jumps three to six feet at a time. So there's only a few frogs that actually make good captives. Poison dart frogs tend to be one of the ones that do make good captives because most frogs are nocturnal. They're only out at night. Um, but poison dart frogs are actually diurnal. They're around during the day. So they're out moving around in the tank. So one of the, the poster child for pet frogs is usually the red-eyed tree frog, and it's just a green blob on the side of the tank all day long, and then at night it wakes up and walks around the tank. So they don't make really good captives. So poison dart frogs, really, when it comes to keeping pet frogs, are probably the, the most popular and uh, most engaging of the frogs. So that's what I started with. Like, hey, I want something that's around, hopping around. I don't want a blob on the side Minus of the Minus the whole poison part. Yeah. So I in mean, the wild, they're eating ants that are eating poisonous plants and that's how they sequester their toxins so in captivity totally harmless we're feeding them fruit flies but they think that they're still poisonous so they're not afraid they're out and about they think no one's going to touch them because they identify as poisonous yeah Yeah. exactly Exactly. because i was going to ask have you ever been called to testify in court or you know about toxins and have any of your frogs ever been implicated in a crime no we have had there was a one person who reached out to us Asking about, like, hey, if I wanted to kill somebody with this, how would I do this? And we ended up reporting it to um, authorities. I think it was more of a prank, but we didn't want to take any chances. Um, We've brought in wild-caught frogs before to uh, help establish uh, breeding colonies. Um, They lose their toxicity, like, really, really quickly. Um, So we were handling them, you know, trying to be mindful using gloves and stuff like that but even we're able to to barehand them and no issues at all in the wild pound for pound they're pr- some of the most deadliest animals in the world so the uh the species called the terribilis or the terrible poison dart frog um they estimate about a thousand mice this little two inch frog uh, could kill so pound for pound some of the most deadliest animals in the, oh in the world gosh. so in the wild if you were to touch that frog then touch your nose or your eyes you'd, you'd probably be dead 
Oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty. Crazy. Now, where do these where do these little guys live? Do they live? Are they native to Michigan? Jackson, Jackson. <laughs> like, did you find these guys? Did you, did you find these guys in the swamps? They don't look. When I look at these pictures, these don't look like frogs I would see in Michigan. No, no, know. they're two groups. Uh, so the the vast majority of poison dart frogs are South American frogs, and then there's another group of frogs called mantellas, which are also um, considered poison dart frogs. Those are from Madagascar. So really, the two areas, South America, uh, Madagascar. Where How do they like living in Michigan? So they love living inside a cage in Michigan. So Michigan has two things that would not uh, support their uh, livelihood. First off is it gets too cold here. But the second is they're from areas that stay really, really, really wet. So inside a terrarium, you're wanting 85% humidity and higher. So there's very few parts of Michigan that would stay that humid um, in any given time when the actual temperatures are, are good. So not, not a threat of them establishing here in Michigan. And um, you know, and probably more um, pressing and more of a concern, you know, not a big chance of them surviving in even Florida as well, okay. too. Yeah. Do you have a favorite kind of poison dart frog? Because via a quick Google search here, um, I see six, and they're all very bright yeah. and beautiful. So yeah. do you have a favorite kind? So I have two favorite kinds. So my, the first one is a citronella. So it's got blue legs, and it's got a bright yellow back. It was my first poison dart frog that I ever purchased out of a parking lot uh, okay. from the Dundee <laughs> um, uh, Bass Pro Shops. Um, and then I really love um, the Azurius, which is um, comes from the Spanish word for blue. It's a blue frog with black dots on its uh, Yeah, that back. one's really standing yeah. out to me. Everybody should look that one up yeah yeah definitely but definitely uh our best-selling uh, poison dart frog yeah. okay so 2004 we're now 2022 you just yeah. opened up a big new warehouse yep. in durant right and, and it sounds like from the website and then talking to nick the the business has gone crazy and grown and grown, and grown. it's hopping it is hopping there you go. well yeah. done yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, she laughs at josh <laughs> yeah, so we, i think i think we've discovered it's a me issue it's yeah, not the joke yeah issue. exactly um what is so how did that happen so 2004 to 2007, um, in that, that time period, we moved to um, a house. So we moved out of our apartment um, to a house. My wife says, hey, I have no plans for a basement. It's all yours, Josh. And so I'm you know, keeping some animals down in the basement. Um, and I get to the point in my youth ministry job where it's a large youth group, and I'm spending less time with kids and more time with adults that are working with kids. And I don't like that gig. I, I feel like, hey, I really want to help. Uh, kids. And so I decided to go back to school and get my master's in counseling. So get back to my master's in counseling, finishing that up. And there's an internship to finish that uh, uh, program, which is a full-time internship, um, unpaid, of course. And uh, so I, I leave my job at the church, getting ready to do this internship um, right outside of Lansing. And less than a week before I'm supposed to start that internship, they call me up and they say, hey, we just lost our funding from the government. They're, we're shutting down. There's no internship. So I call Spring Arbor and I say, hey, we got a crisis. I need to find a new internship spot in a week. And they laugh and they're like, we don't find internships in, in a week for this program. You have to wait till next year. Mm. And I say, uh, I quit my job. Like, I don't have a job. <laughs> this is 2007. Things are starting to get pretty bad. And they're like, sorry, there's not really anything we can do. Um, and so sitting down with my wife and I, and um, at this time, she's no longer a substitute teacher. She has a full-time teaching job. But that's still not enough uh, to keep our house. And so I, we're, we're brainstorming, like, how do we, how do we figure this out? And I say, hey, I wonder if I like 
stopped buying animals with this money <laughs> that I'm bringing in by selling this extra stuff. If I actually just like treat it as a business, like I wonder if I could make enough money in this year um, that we can make our house payment and and put groceries on in our in our uh, pantry. And my wife, as crazy as she is, she's like, yeah, sure, let's try it. <laughs> so, so we try for that year. Um, it, it was, it was totally different mindset. Like, it, like everybody talks about, like Josh's Frog started in two thousand four. Like two thousand seven was totally different. It was like actually a business at that point. Um, it, it, we talked a little bit about my, how my past experience did not prepare me at all for that. That was totally true. It was listening to podcasts while working with frogs. It was reading books every night, you know, trying to figure out what does it mean to run a, a business and, and trying to do a crash course on how do, I, how do I run a business while running a business. And we were able to make $16,000 that year, which was enough to, to cover the bridge the gap between my wife's um, salary and what we needed uh, to survive. And then the internship starts. And it's an unpaid internship. And so... It was a crazy year. We had a had a baby during the middle of that, and so it was internship from eight a.m. to eight p.m. It was doing frog stuff all night until one o'clock in the morning, waking up at five the next morning, shipping out some stuff, um, and heading to the internship uh, by eight a.m. It was a a blur of eight months, and I finished that internship, and the director was like, "Hey, your clients come and they pay. Like, you want a job uh, starting tomorrow." And I went back to my wife and I was like, if I can do this while doing an internship, like what if I was like just doing this as my job? And I, th I think the whole um, impetus for her allowing us to go in that direction was like the, I had this job in the in the back, my back pocket. Any second I could go <laughs> back to, to counseling, they were willing to, to give me a job. And so she said, yeah, sure, let's try it. And um, at that point, I decided, okay, I got to move the business outside of um, our house and moved it to um, Owasso. And every year we grew anywhere from 25 to 45% year over year, um, learning how to do business while doing business at the same time, um, making a lot of mistakes, having some luck, and just working really hard um, over those, uh, those years. And so um, we, as a... It was pretty quickly into deciding to move it out of the house that like really felt like, hey, like if we can do what we did 2007, 2008 and figure things out, we can figure out what it means uh, to do this as a full time business moving forward. And so never looked back. So I have my master's in counseling and never got my license <laughs> to be a licensed <laughs> counselor. So in the in the world of frog dealing, where where is Josh's frogs in the scale of business size here? So when it comes to like breeding frogs, we are the largest in the United States, maybe the world. <laughs> um, there are some large breeding facilities outside of our country that would be hard to get a, a grasp of how large they are. But we're definitely one of the largest, if not the, the largest. We've been um, really blessed to bring on some really cool people that are passionate about um, doing things captive bred. So um 70s, 80s, you know, most of the frogs that are sold at pet stores were brought straight from the wild. Um, some of the quota numbers are just staggering. You know, we had we have years of quota figures of 60,000 red-eyed tree frogs coming from South America into the United States. And we're like, we don't see that many frogs here. What the heck is going on? Um, and it was just a horrible practice of, you know, 60,000 frogs come in, you know, 
maybe hundreds make it into somebody's mm. house, you know, throughout that whole entire process. It's just not sustainable. And so we very early on were like, hey, like we have this platform um, and we have this opportunity to kind of change the way in which people think about uh, frogs and, and pet frogs and said, you know, we're going to take a stance that wild kind animals are important for founding stock, but they're not important, important enough to uh, fuel a trade. And so we just said very early on, like, hey, we're going to be captive bred only and we're only selling ca- uh, frogs that um, are bred here in the United States. And so um, we've been able to do that. And I think that's pl- that's kind of inspired other people to, to kind of take up that banner as well, too, and say, you know, we can do this in a sustainable way um, instead of a, a, a practice that just wasn't very efficient from a business standpoint, but from an ethical standpoint, wasn't uh, uh, very uh, sufficient. And so um, we've been able to beat that drum. And, um, you know, we're now to the point where we're finding opportunities to partner with some of those um, places outside the United States. Uh, so we're uh, partnering there in Madagascar, um, where we're taking, um, we're breeding some of the frogs that are native to there. Um, a portion of sales from those frogs actually go back to support, support conservation um, in that area. Um, we're working with some researchers in South America where they're like trying to do research, but having trouble raising the funds to do that. And we said, hey, why don't you set up some captive breeding populations there in that um, area, sell us the, the captive bred frogs that you produce, and then we'll fund your uh, research um, there. And so we've had, been able to set up some of those partnerships um, that have been really cool that, that we feel like we're not only stopping the um, the mass trade of wild-caught animals, but we're actually giving back to those native populations so they don't lose the, uh, the income um, and the opportunities that, that, that the wildlife can uh, provide in those areas cool. as well, too. Have you found an intersection between what you wanted to do and what you're doing now? I, I'd imagine kids would love to see this sort of thing. I, I, my oldest, Asher, he had Mrs. Willard um, for third grade, but he was sort of robbed of the full Mrs. Willard experience because it was during the pandemic. Yeah. Does she bring field trips? I mean, do you have kid, Do you have classrooms come through and check things out? So, yes, we do. Um, pre-pandemic, we did uh, tours every Friday, so anybody um, could do it. And then we would do groups, you know, throughout the Girl Scout groups or school groups would come out. We also do outreaches into schools, so we'll bring a bunch of animals to a school. So pre-pandemic, uh, back when the schools would allow us to do that, um, I would do my wife's class and then all of my kids' classes all in one day um, and bring a bunch of animals uh, to do it that way. It's always a, a really cool opportunity, um, not only to, to show off animals to um, kids, to give them you know some real-life examples of, of what they're talking about in uh, textbooks, but also kind of alleviate some of the fear that people have around animals. It's uh, you know, we get to be adults and we're like, oh my gosh, snakes are so scary or hey, tarantulas are so scary. And it's kind of cool to, to be able to expose kids to those types of animals at a younger age and be like, it's not really that scary. You know, snakes aren't slimy, actually. Uh, they're pretty dry and, you know, spiders aren't going to, you know, attack my face and that kind of stuff. Um, and even bizarrely, there are some people that are just deathly afraid of uh, um, frogs and, and to be able to, to see something and, and maybe even hold it. Um, kind of can alleviate that sphere. So we do a little bit of um, that type of stuff. Um, but I think I think what you're alluding to is, you know, kind of my um, passion for, for helping people um, that I didn't realize was actually part of business and, and leading a large workforce. And, and people are always like, you know, hey, Josh, how did you, how were you able to do what you did without any business experience? I said, I didn't have any business experience. We, we kind of fudge that kind of stuff. Um, but like I use the skills that I gained from being a pastor and doing counseling to really build good teams and build uh, good connections with people. And that's paid dividends for us um, 
we have a pretty large staff right now. We're about 120 people. Um, like I, I feel like our success it's probably not in the business sense, like that we're not really good at running a business. We um, we try really hard at that kind of stuff, but I think we're just really good at, at dealing with people um, and building good teams, and, and that's been successful for us. It's overcome any of the, the ways when we were like, we don't really know how to, to, to lead a company this size. You know, we've been able to do it by just being authentic with our people and staying true to our core values. How Oops. do you find workers? So twofold um one is in our local population there of owasso i don't know how familiar you guys are with that area most of the people in owasso go somewhere else to work so they work in flint they work in lansing uh maybe up to saginaw and so there's quite a few people there in owasso that really want a good place to work and don't want to have to travel out of town so that i think that's been a good opportunity um for us i think the other aspect is what we actually deal with people are passionate about um so i'll talk a little bit about our uh, bug area so we we breed a bunch of uh, bugs the the feed for um these animals and there are a lot of people that are really passionate about bugs that really like bugs there are pet bugs there are like collector type bugs so so you think of like those roly polies um that you might have had when you were kids um they're called isopods People like to collect different color variations of these. So you'll have like all these Tupperware things with like 50 different colors of isopods. So there's people that actually do that and are collectors and, and are really geeked about that kind of stuff. Wait, they stick them in a Tupperware? Yeah, yeah, Like after they like, die? No, no, no. Like large, large Rubbermaid type Tupperware type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Those and they people. feed the tup. They stick food in the Tupperware. You got okay. it. Yeah. Yep. And then grow it out and then trade this those so for another. To me. another <laughs> yes, exactly. When you say there are people. Like how many people are we talking? Tens. <laughs> tens, yeah. tens, tens of no. people. <laughs> Enough to have a 120-person workforce, yeah, apparently. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. So some of those, some of those um, students will go to college and they're like, I want to study entomology, the study of uh, insects. And so they do that and then they graduate and then they find that the only jobs for entomology students are killing bugs. So it's golf courses that want to hire entomologists. It's the Terminex and those kind of places. And so we've been able to pull people, you know, Florida, Washington, California that are like, I got a four year degree in bugs because I like <laughs> bugs and every job is killing bugs. And so um, we've been able to bring on some of those on staff. Um, the other aspect of that is um, zoo students. So Michigan State ended their zoological uh, program, uh, thankfully, because it was a four year degree that ended it with minimum wage jobs when you uh, graduated. So um, there's they were pumping out a lot of zoology students. There's a lot of people um, that are interested in working in, in zoo fields and um, we've had a good opportunity for them to gain skills um, in keeping animals that, that zoos, unfortunately, just because of the, the vast amount of animals that they deal with, aren't able to do in the ways that we, we are able to do. We're hyper-focused on just frogs and, and trying to figure out how to best care for them and best breed those um, animals in the wild. So. so how many different animals do you do you sell, do you breed and sell? Because it's not just frogs, right? Josh's right. frogs is... is well, bugs, snakes, salamanders. Like, yep. like what kinds of things? Like yeah. How exotic a stuff do you got? So we do a bunch of frogs and toads. Um, that's our big thing. And then we also do a... Can I ask a stupid question? Yeah. I should know this. Yeah. If, I, if my mom had sent me to the swamp, I might know the answer to this question. <laughs> what is the de- difference between a frog and a toad? So what I like to tell uh, students is if you do really well in school and get to college and you do really well in college and you become a scientist at the end of your time, you get to decide what a frog and a toad is. There's nothing really um, objective about like the distinction between frogs and toads. Um, 
some people will argue with that and be like, no, this is what it means now. But like, God doesn't tell us we're just making this up, this distinction. Like, what's the difference between a raccoon and a cat? Like, we just make that up. And so if you're really smart someday and you go to school, you can make up what the difference is and tell us what the difference is. So that really isn't an objective. But people will tell you, yeah, that's clearly a frog. That's clearly a toad. Um, we have some toads that climb trees, so they're not on the ground. They climb up the sides of uh, trees. Um, we have some frogs that can't climb and can't jump. I mean, there's there's just a, quite a lot of variety when it comes to those types of things. So that distinction, a lot of a lot of publications will even just now combine them, frogs and toads. As one so one. your mom won't be too disappointed. No, no, maybe it wasn't a no, dumb question. No, no. Okay. So we do a bunch of snakes, lizards, pet bugs, so tarantulas, scorpions, those kind of things. We do feeder bugs, so all the bugs that all those animals eat. Um, we do plants, so a lot of the frogs need... Uh, live uh, plants in their enclosures to uh, complete the uh, habitat requirements for those animals. And so we sell a bunch of plants and then that uh, expanded out to house plants as well too. So it's our whole tagline is um, helping people connect with nature. And so sometimes that means a plant, sometimes that means an animal. Um, some, we do a lot of fish um, and then that, that includes snails and shrimp and that kind of stuff as well too. So we're all captive bred on, on those things as well too. Okay, so let's go back to Stephanie's question from a little bit ago. Wait, can I oh. ask one more question? Can we'll you have a pet Steph. shrimp? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> or so, yeah, until hey. dinner. <laughs> okay. So the shrimps, the shrimps, is that plural? The shrimp. Shrimp In the uh, pet industry are all tiny, so you're talking less than an inch. Um, bright colored, red, blue, that kind of stuff. That's the kind of shrimp that are kept in the pet industry. There are some larger shrimp that are kept in the pet industry, but most of it is these desktop, small little, you know, few gallons that you can fit on your desk with these little tiny shrimp running around. Yeah. There you go, Anna. Yep. There you go, Anna. Have a shrimp. Fuck you up. <laughs> have a shrimp tank. Thank you. You could have one here. There you go. Yeah. That would be cute. What do shrimp eat? Shrimp are scavengers, Small so anything, anything that's on the bottom of their tank from... So uh, it wouldn't be too hard. You no. could just have a little... Super easy. Sultan. Look at this. Give you your leftover yeah. shawarma. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you don't eat from lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Josh, so someone finds your website, yeah. and they decide we want to have we want to get a poison dart frog uh, enclosure in our house. How do you, how do you s- ship a frog... So that it doesn't die. Great, great question. So um, all of our frogs are, when somebody purchases a frog from us, um, we don't ship it right right out immediately as soon as you purchase it like we do everything else. Um, We'll actually contact you and set up a time to schedule delivery of that animal. We want you to be home when it's there, and we want the weather to be um, acceptable for that shipment. So we're anywhere, any time that the low temperature is below 30, we won't ship. So um, we have those restrictions on shipping um, uh, the animals. They're all shipped um, through a next day air service. So FedEx and UPS offer um, a service where they pick up the animals from our facility between 4.30 and 6 p.m. at night, hop on a plane in Flint. That plane flies straight to uh, Louisville for UPS and uh, Memphis for FedEx. And then that morning it's flown to the nearest FedEx location near that person. And that person gets that frog at 10.30 a.m. So about 18 hours um, that it's inside of a box. We use insulated foam inside that box. And then um, if you pack your lunch, you use those gel packs. Those gel packs change phase at 32 degrees. So it's a block of ice under 32 degrees and it's squishy at 33 degrees. Well, we use um, something called EcoTherm. Well, it does the same thing, but it changes phase at 72 degrees. So it's meant to keep things at 72 degrees. Um, so we use those inside the box. And then um, 
your hand warmers that you might use for hunting, those same companies make shipping uh, heat packs that don't get as hot um, but are much larger to last a lot longer. And so we use those as well, too, to climate control that uh, box. And we're able to keep it within a few degrees change uh, no matter what the weather is outside. It's uh, pretty amazing how um, the insulation and, and the utilization of those types of products, we can make sure that the animals uh, are safe. Mm-hmm. So there's... Nothing worse for customer experience to have a dead animal show up um, yeah. when they come yeah. to your door. So do you have to like po- you don't have to poke holes in the tap? No, no. <laughs> there's uh, enough uh, <laughs> the temperature. Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah, that would uh, destroy the temperature uh, right. constraints that we we do. So there's enough air um, inside that box. Do you so. have to do any kind of prep work with the frogs? Like, okay, okay, <laughs> here we go. It's gonna be 18 hours. Talk I promise. Talk, you'll yeah. be, you'll yeah. be out. Jeremiah, exactly. it's, it's gonna, gonna be dark okay. for a while. Yeah, a little pep talk. Bring yeah, a exactly. bring a podcast you can listen to. Yeah, like exactly, exactly. Put you right to sleep. How many frog jokes did you write last night? <laughs> They're just coming out. They're just coming. <laughs> They're just coming. Organic. <laughs> oh so, gosh. like, do you have to do anything with the animal? Like, or is it just nope. you feed it and say go to the bathroom and you're good? That's right. That's right. Yep. Do they yep. have little personalities? Like, are 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 they different? Do you interact with a pet? So it depends on the type of animal. So the poison dart frogs, there isn't much interaction. Um, they will come to. They'll Usually you're feeding in one area of the tank, and so they know when you open the tank, hey, it's food time, they'll come out right to that um, area to eat. They might even sit in that area if they're hungry. So there's that that kind of small interactions. Um, As far as the animal actually enjoying some interaction with you, it's probably more on the lines of them tolerating that type of um, interaction. So a lot of the animals that we deal with um, are cold-blooded, and so sometimes getting out and being held, you know, people are like, oh, it really likes to be held, and we're like, yeah, it really likes being warm, and it's enjoying the heat that you're putting mm-hmm. off of it. Mm-hmm. So some people will see that as, oh, that's affection. That animal is wanting heat. It works out. I mean, I, I, <laughs> both people are getting what they want out of the, yeah. the situation, so we'll allow it. <laughs> How many animals are in your warehouse? Can you say? Uh, I would say tens of thousands. May, if you count insects, I mean, you, you could – you know, be a million plus uh, animals. It can fluctuate a little bit. So poison dart frogs are unique in that they uh, breed throughout the year. They lay small clutches of two to 14 eggs at a time and, and sometimes as often as every two weeks. Most frogs are not that way. So you think of like all the frogs we have here in Michigan and all the toads we have in Michigan lay one clutch in the spring. Um, most frogs are like that. So they'll lay these giant clutches. So we work a lot with uh, white's tree frogs. They'll lay giant, you know, thousands of eggs at a time. Our yellow-spotted climbing toads, a big female, could lay 10,000 eggs at a time. So some of those are really big breeders. And when you have those types of uh, breeding events, they can fluctuate the the numbers quite uh, consistently. But poison dart frogs tend to breed more cyclical and um, more regularly so that you don't see those big So how long can you keep them? I mean, obviously, you can keep them there until someone orders them. Like, is there a – do they have shelf (laughs) shelf life? Exactly. So so we're unique, and the reason we keep – um, growing is because we haven't found the ceiling of what the the pet trade um, can take. So every time we think, oh man, we we've we've maxed out at what retail sales are going to have to be. We're going to have to start wholesaling. We just find another wave of retail customers um, that do that. So we will wait for things to be of a age and size that we think people can take care of them. From uh, we like to call it bulletproof. That like, hey, this animal is old enough that shipping isn't going to be too stressful. Getting in a new environment isn't going to be too stressful, and that it's large enough that people can find food for it locally if they aren't buying the food um, from us directly. So, on a poison dart frog, it's usually about two, two to. 
two and a half months out of the water, um, which is usually the, the time frame for where we will list something that's on sale um, at that time frame. So poison dart frogs will lay eggs. Um, it'll be about two weeks for the eggs to hatch, about three months as a tadpole, and then we'll, we'll grow it up for um, a good two months after that before we'll list it for sale. Do you do any kind of vetting of these folks to make sure that they're on the up and up and are going to treat your frogs well and don't have some ulterior motives? Um, ulterior motives, that would be really hard to, uh, that. Or how do you know that you get, you're giving your frog to, I mean, these are special yeah. animals and you can't just give them to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't mess it up. Yeah. So how do you figure out that I know how to take care of one of these things? So we've gone back and forth on this there. Um, in our industry, there's a live arrival guarantee. That's pretty standard, um, that people will offer like a 24 hours, like, Hey, you know, let us know in 24 hours if there's any issues. Um, for us as a business that not only does the animals, but everything you need to take care of that animals, we see that as an investment that like, that's a long-term customer. Like we, when we sell you a frog, we expect to be seeing orders from you on a regular basis for years and years and years and years. And so we've gone back and forth on like, whether we require them to do something before they uh, buy the animal, that can be a little bit difficult and cumbersome for that customer to do. And for also for us to do um, on top of that. So we, we really invest in education. So we do a lot of videos and blogs and on how to take care of animals. Um, and then also after post-purchase, we'll do a lot of education with the, the customers. I'll get a series of emails that talk about that animal and how best to take care of that animal. And then we do some, when we're doing the scheduling of the animals, we'll do some education there and some checklists. Hey, do you have something that checks the temperature? Hey, does your house get to 50 degrees? And because you know, you're just heating your house with a, um, with a stove, you know, like are those some of those issues present in your house that are going to make this not a very good um, situation moving forward. So we do a little bit of that because we're incentivized to do that. Like if you take care of that animal for a long time, we've got a customer for a long time and we want you to be successful in that way. So we ended up um, extending our health guarantee out um, a week and we have talks of extending it beyond that uh, to try to try to support our customers. And it, it, we're incentivized that the, the, the animal lives a long, healthy life because um, it's a good, re good relationship for us. We see you use social media quite a bit, don't you? You've, yeah, that been. I mean, it, it kind of can't. It's, it it mirrors kind of the lifespan of your of your business. If you're talking about 2007, yeah. 2010 yeah. or so, how has that been? How you've how you've marketed and grown and, and things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So social media is very big for us on in on two fronts. One is engagement with our customers. So we do a lot of trying to add value um, and provide content that our, our customers really want and are valuable for them. So it's a lot of education in that regard. And then also, too, we do some um, behind the scenes and kind of um, – top of funnel type stuff or like, hey, look at, you can keep a frog that looks like this. This is kind of crazy. Um, that really draws people into our hobby that might not uh, think of it. And then we try to do a lot of like talking about how simple it can be uh, to keep some of these animals. Um, I think a lot of times people are like, you know, we talked about shrimp a second ago. People are like, oh my gosh, that sounds really difficult. And we, like our job is to say, no, 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 it's really simple. If you get this type of stuff and you're doing this on a regular basis, it's really simple to do that. So we'll do a lot of that on social media because I think that's the biggest um, barrier for people is they're like frogs. I don't know anything about frogs. Like I can't do that. <laughs> and so we got to make it, we got to present it in a way that says, hey, it's not actually that hard and we'll be here to support you. Um, and make sure that you're doing it. You've got a creative team too. I mean, yeah. you've got stuff like you know, Frog Butt Friday, and you know, all sorts of <laughs> Frog Fanny Friday. Frog Fanny, sorry. Frog yeah, Fanny. Which Carly and I found very cute. Good. Yes, we did. Good. <laughs> so frogs are carnivores. 
right? Correct. What does that really mean? That means that they eat living stuff. So there are some um, frogs that will eat um, prepared diets, um, but for the vast majority of frogs, they're going to want live, moving insects uh, to eat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Will they eat like chicken? So there are some frogs that will do that. Um, you like, think- like a big chicken? Well, like meat. I thought carnivore. Like I'm like, oh, they eat meat. But the, that yeah. meat includes insects, bugs. Yeah. So they're not hunting chickens. Um, that would be insane. No, I meant like if you give them a piece of chicken. Exactly. Yep. Would, they, would they eat a piece of chicken if you gave them a piece of fried like the chicken? The poison dart frog just like shooting. <laughs> shooting <laughs> darts. Like, <laughs> or if there's a swarm of Taking them. Taking down like, a chicken. What do you call them? A pod or a swarm or a, like a, a cluster? Oh, I don't a cluster know. of group. poison gaggle. frogs are it's called. A gaggle. A gaggle. A gaggle. That sounds right. Of geese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So there are some sit and wait predator foods that can be tong fed. Foods. Some sit and wait predator frogs that can be tong fed, and so you could could theoretically do that with. So do people buy food? Like you get the frog and the food from you? Correct. So we live animals accounts for less than ten percent of what we sell. So the other ninety percent of what we sell is taking care of that animal. Oh wow! Is yeah. this like weekly trips in your car to pick up containers that you can fill with fruit flies? Or do, uh, you, do you have no. an operation now? Now, now he's, got, he's got people for that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> now we have docks and trucks got come it. and drop right. off stuff. That's and, easier. Uh, that way, yeah. yes. Yes. We've definitely grown from our, our humble beginnings, that's for sure. Well, this has been really cool. I've learned I've learned a ton. Good. And I appreciate you coming by, Josh Willard. No problem. Josh's frogs. It was good. I think we ought to get a tank of frogs in here. I yeah. agree. That's like a great idea. Okay. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. Rib it. I'll have to uh, give you guys a tour sometime. Sweet. We'll yeah, take, we'll take one. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay. So Josh, Josh's frogs has left the studio. He's left us here to talk about frogs and animals. Joe doesn't like zoos. Nick loves zoos. Nikki's going to the zoo. <laughs> Carly wants us to have a zoo here at the office. Yeah. Correct. That's true. I had no idea frogs. I didn't know frogs and toads were different things or the same thing. I didn't know a lot about what I just listened to. <laughs> it's yeah. all new information. And what I wanted to ask, and Anna actually mentioned this as Josh was leaving, is like the, the market size for these. Uh, clearly, there is a market to allow Josh to hire 100, 100, 120 people and be the world's largest frog dealer. I didn't want to judge before hearing him out, but I'm like, what kind of companions do these things? Most people get a pet for companionship, and it sounds like they have no um, reciprocal feelings towards humans. Well, But people so get fish, like aquariums, and those aren't for companionship. Um, they can be mesmerized. You're off the mic, much. Anna. Um, what? You're like talking to the oh. side of the mic. <laughs> Put the mic right in the center. Right in your face. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, she, now she's scared. You, now you can hold it like Adele. Now she looks very Just scared. hold it like Adele. Now you look at that like Adele, like you're on, on stage. Tear note. Screw her. You, you think poison dart frogs can't be mesmerizing? Um, Fish are like a zen thing. Like people can watch them to relax. Okay. You feed them. They come to you. Yeah. I don't. I feel like the people that have frogs just think frogs are cool. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think. People yeah. go into getting frogs to be like, yeah, it's like let's it's cuddle. Like stamps. It's like, oh, I like stamps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. 
Not quite the same thing. Like, I'm interested in frogs, so I want to own a frog. It's like the same with, like, people that have, like, bearded dragons. They sell those, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, it's going to sit there. You're and you're, really you think it. it's cool. Right. Well, these are pretty frogs. Yeah. yeah. Like, these awesome. aren't just, like, the silly brown things you see in like, your backyard. Like, That's look true. At these, things, they, these look like they're, like, painted. Yeah. yeah. And so you, I, you can see why you get They're high-quality frogs, for sure. Yeah. And if they're hopping around during the day, looking all colorful, I can see that would be entertaining. So we can get one. Is what you're saying. Why not? <laughs> you know what? We can't get a fountain pop machine, so let's get let's get a frog. Why can't we get a fountain Vivarium. pop machine? Where are we going to keep it? The frog or the pop machine? <laughs> Both. We can keep them side by side in the kitchen. We could do that. Let's do it. Let's just get rid of the microwave, toaster oven. Yeah. I don't use the toaster oven, so that's fine. Matt does for his pizza. I do. I heat up my pizza in there. But we could, yeah, I'm, I'm all down for a frog. I was thinking about getting a plant. Oh man! I, I wonder yeah. if he sells poinsettias. We the should get some plants. So yeah, when the tr- when the Christmas tree left, I thought, oh, we need <laughs> we, we need, need to a get plant. a plant. Yeah, but we, we couldn't keep a plant. a plant in the kitchen anyway because there's no light. It would have to be so one of those plants that doesn't frog. actually need light. We're gonna have to have an assigned frog keeper though if we're gonna have a frog. Like somebody's gotta be responsible for feeding the little sucker. I nominate you. Sounds like a you job. We can't does. manage starting the dishwasher on Friday afternoon. <laughs> I think Nick would be good at being the frog manager. Yeah, he would. I would be a good frog manager, but we'd have to have two. Because to Anna's point, they need companionship, and they're not going to get that from us. Mm-hmm. Oh, two frogs, not That's two frogs. Managers. We should have asked him. Yeah, can, can they live together? Do they fight? Maybe we could breed them. Yeah, maybe we take him <laughs> yes. down. Yes. Take Josh down. <laughs> we we can get start doing it. Our own cluster of poison. Carly's already a shipping expert, a shipping logistics expert. I have learned a lot and I have a friend at the post office. I think that's all you need, really. So that's all you need. So oh Josh started. I think that we have a we have a spin off, spin off business. Matt's toads. <laughs> Why's it gotta be me? Your name is on the on the oh. door. Yeah. Not for long. <laughs> <coughs> that was fun. Josh was fun. Nick, thank you for thank you for yeah. introducing us to Josh. That yeah. was, that Someone was a long time waiting on this one. Got a guest that wasn't Matt. Yeah, I've had a few of those. Matt this is allows Nick to bring in guests, yes. just nobody else. It can't oh. be done. <laughs> okay, nice. I have to share a quick story. <laughs> um, so I was at a meeting at school. This is just just goes. I, we joke about the reach and the fact that this podcast moves people. I think it's. I think people have found this podcast to be healing during <laughs> the, these these rough years. It's like a, like it's a bomb. Gotten them through some stuff. Yeah, is it a it's bomb? gotten them through stuff, and we're here. We're here for people. And yeah. I had someone come up, and I didn't know who this person was, and like they were so that's shocking. They were very 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 excited. They, and they said, "I just discovered a new podcast. I've been listening to your episodes all day long." Really, she was just a fan of Kurt Berryman and Peter Adele. There's Peter Adele's episode name drop. But yeah, she was very excited to have found cold oatmeal. And it was it was very it was a little jarring to be out there in the wild myself and to have someone come up who and well, that so is how famous you are now it's in not, the I mean, Lansing it's not, area. It's, a we, it's us. It's us. No one comes up to me and yeah. says, "Oh my god, maybe you should talk more on the podcast." <laughs> I talk more than <laughs> most of you. Talk more than Joe for sure. Joe drops something in like, stamp, I like I, stamps every I like six months and makes his, <laughs> makes, makes his presence Earns worthwhile. His <laughs> I I can, he's got to work the board. I had a yeah, whole bunch hard. of questions for him. I could have I 
Well, you why say didn't that you? after everyone I leaves. I don't know. I don't want to. This thing makes too much noise. I'm was fine being quiet. Every like every other time the person leaves, I could ask them a bunch of questions. Yeah, I know. You just talk. You're just all talk. Except for no talk. Except, except, for, when you don't. except for when you don't. Okay, well, it's been the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. This is Matt Resch for Nikki and Nick, for Anna, Stephanie, Carly, and Joe. This is like, that's a lot of names. We're all in here. Mm-hmm. You're all in here. Josh Willard of Josh's to- Frogs. I almost got it. That's not, no Josh's difference. Josh's No, no difference. Josh's Frogs, Toads, whatever you want to call them. They're all the same. Um, it's been fun, and it's been the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Mm-hmm.